everybody watching or listening online too. Uh, my name is Mary and I lead the prayer life here at St. Augustine's. And I am very excited to be speaking to you um, on generosity and using our gifts general- generously. This is my kind of topic. I always have lots of stories about yours truly. Oops. Um, but today I thought it would be good to hear from some of you instead. So I asked some of you here... What are your gifts? And so let's listen to their answers. Hey, Rosie, what do you think your gifts are? Um, I would say empathy. And I kind of see myself as an enabler. So like not really like jack of all, but try to enable other people to do their thing. Jeff, what are your gifts? Um, I think I make people feel comfortable and I like communicating and making them feel welcome when they meet me. Hey, Marissa, what are your gifts? Well, I have been told um, wisdom and discernment, which feels funny saying that about yourself. But I think growing up in church, I've probably sat under a lot of preaching and had an opportunity to serve in church and things like that. So, yeah, I've probably picked up a lot of things from that that I can pass on to other people. And I'd say I'm a people person, so connecting with people and you know, developing those relationships where you can kind of speak into their lives and, yeah. Okay, so Ben, what are your gifts? Yeah, so I reckon my gifts are creative problem solving and collaborating in a kind of leadership position. Hey, Harry, I would like to ask you, what are your gifts? I think, Mary, my two areas of gifting from God is one is being a part of the welcome team where I feel that I can put people at ease and hear their stories and listen to their thinking on who they are and enabling them to feel comfortable and a part of church family. And I also feel being a part of the communion ministry team where I feel a part where I'm engaging with people as they engage with God. And that is a very special sort of time for for them and for myself. Hey, Molly, what do you think your gifts are? Creativity, kindness, and I'm good at making friends. Hello, Katrina. What are your gifts? I'm an encourager. I love praying for people. I'm really seeking this uh, gift of wisdom, and I am a bit of a one to pay attention to detail. And we all need that. Hey, Luca, what are your gifts? Um, I think I'm good at finding beauty in things and finding a new perspective on things. And I'd say you're kind as well. Okay, I think I'm kind as well. (laughs) Thank you, Luca. Hey, Josh, what are your gifts? Um, that's a really uncomfortable question for a Kiwi. Um, I think that I can be kind um, and a good friend and thoughtful. <laughs> My daughter's laughing in the background. That's amazing. Um, I think I can be a good listener. And um, one thing I really love doing is teaching other people things and learning. So, yeah, teaching and learning. Hey, Kit, what do you think your gifts are? Um, I send my toys away. You like giving your toys away? And I make my people laugh. You like making people laugh? And um, I'm generous. Oh, awesome. Thanks. Yeah, that is him asking for an ice block after that. (laughs) Bribery gets you everywhere. 
Um, isn't that just awesome? It's just a few of you who are represented, but I love so many things about this. I love the variations, some detailed, some concise, and you can see from this that we all have gifts. But putting it together was an interesting process because in true Kiwi style, a lot of you are not keen to talk about yourselves publicly, let alone share what you might be good at. Persuasion was needed and I had some point blank no's. It was a struggle for you to even think what your gifts might be. You can see from Josh's clip how uncomfortable he is at speaking positively about himself knowing that all of you would be watching. What if I asked a bunch of Americans the same question? Do you think they'd have the same problem? Or is it because the culture in New Zealand is heavily influenced by tall poppy syndrome? For those of you who may not be familiar with what that is, I'm sure most of you are, let me enlighten you. Tall poppy syndrome is a tendency to begrudge, resent, or mock people of great success, talent, or status. A tendency to downplay one's own achievements or talents in order to avoid the resentment and mockery of others. Now, I'm obviously not Kiwi, so I'm more than happy to talk about my gifts. <clears throat> they are positivity, generosity, encouragement, bringing energy and fun, and being a truth teller in a loving way. Although some on the receiving end of that one may not view it as a gift, but I do. <clears throat> um, it's why I'm so excited to be speaking on this. I'm using my gifts, and I want to leave you all at the end of this feeling encouraged, enthused, while speaking truth to you in a positive and challenging way. But back to the tall poppy thing. New Zealand is a fabulous place, and obviously tall poppy syndrome is a generalized theme. But it is backed up by research conducted in 2022 across the various ethnicities in New Zealand that showed that it is prevalent and is affecting New Zealand and even our economy detrimentally. One of its biggest downfalls being that it doesn't allow us to celebrate ourselves or each other. And I believe that this deep-set cultural condition can and does spill into our faith and in turn affect the way that we use or don't use our gifts. But it mustn't. Knocking ourselves and each other down is contrary to how God builds us and others up and contrary to what he calls us to do. Verses 10 to 11, be generous with the different things God gave you, passing them around so all get in on it. If words, let it be God's words. If help, let it be God's hearty help. That way, God's bright presence will be evident in everything through Jesus, and he'll get all the credit as the one mighty in everything. This verse can be tough when we think about vocalizing our gifts. We might think that we shouldn't even talk about our gifts or even give praise to each other because that praise should be directed solely at God. And this is where we struggle with the definition of humility. As someone not brought up in New Zealand, staying humble to me seems to be so ingrained in parts of the culture here. But what really is humility? 
In preparing this talk, I came across a writer called um, John Bloom, and he wrote this article on humility, and I love what he had to say on the topic, and I'm going to um, give you some of the snippets. Humility is not a human emotion or demeanor. It's simply the lack of pretense. Humility is the acceptance and honest confession of what is actually true. So when we honestly acknowledge the gifts that God has given us, we're not boasting, we're just stating the truth. Now, when it's one of my kids' birthdays, if I give them a gift and they just toss it aside, or maybe they just kind of like hide it away, they don't, they don't want to know about it, they're not even bothered about opening, I'd be so gutted. I'm their mom. I know exactly what kind of present they'd love. Why can't they see that it's a good one? If I've gone to all that effort, that financial cost in choosing the right thing, but then they seem embarrassed by it or aren't even remotely interested in it, I'd be so disappointed, so frustrated. All that time, that effort, that money gone into it, it would seem such a waste. But of course, that wouldn't happen. When I give one of my kids a present, they are desperate to rip it open. They don't want to hide it. They don't want to keep it wrapped up. They just want to rip it open. And then they want to show it to everybody because they're so excited and so happy. And how does that make me feel and look? I look awesome. I've given them a great present. And I'm so stoked that they're happy with their gift. Because most kids are like that. They love receiving presents. And they always open them so excitedly, showing them off. In fact, they're wanting to know what the next gift is. We're called to be like children. Let's be like them with our gifts. God knows the right gifts to give us. And he wants us to share them with others because it gives him the glory. And we have to let others know what our gifts are. Otherwise, how can they be used? Paul in the Bible was continually speaking out about the gifts that God had given him. He tells others to follow in his example and using them. Do we tell others to do that when we're using our godly gifts? John Bloom goes on to say, I also fear sounding proud to others. However, if there is something in my life that is exemplary that might help you, but I don't say anything because I'm more concerned with how you view me than with helping you increase your joy, that's just pride borrowing humility's clothes. I love me more than I love you. False humility can lead to pride, which ironically which is what we're ironically often trying to avoid. What is really going on in our heart when we don't want or feel that we can speak out about our gifts? He continues, Let us with humble honesty confess our sinful failings in order to be increasingly free of them and our capacity limitations in order to benefit from more from others' gifts. But let us also be humble and honest enough to point to the grace of Christ in us that is meant to help others walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. 
I can resonate with that. I am no good at my capacity limitations. I know I struggle with pride in that area. People offer to help, but I turn them down as I always want to be coping and managing everything myself. But by doing that, I'm preventing others from generously giving their gifts. I need to humble myself and say yes when help is offered. We are also called to encourage each other. It can feel uncomfortable being on the receiving end of encouragement, especially here in New Zealand. But it's biblical to encourage others. Paul tells us numerous times, example in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, so speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope so you'll all be together in this. No one left out, no one left behind. I know you're already doing this, just keep on doing it. He's encouraging in his of telling everyone to encourage. There's double encouragement there. We need to accept the praise and encouragement given by others and not dismiss it. My dad, I always have to get my dad in my talks. I said to him, I was like, Dad, you're always in my talks. My dad has been a preacher for over 50 years, and he told me that in the first half of his ministry, if people said he'd preached a good sermon, he would make a comment like, well, it was all down to God. He then heard a sermon himself, which helped him to realize that that response could be seen as dismissive to the person who wanted to implore that they had been moved. He now says, thank you, that is so encouraging. This acknowledges the response, but doesn't big up self. We are called to build up the body of Christ. As an encourager, I will always praise and encourage others in their giftings, even if they don't want me to. Can't help it. And encouraging others is linked with the beginning of this chapter. Most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. Love makes up for practically anything. We have to love each other. I'm a big fan of UK and American political podcasts. It's a selection of them, my favorites. Um, But it can be a real love-hate thing because I find the negativity and almost hatred of opponents exhausting. Our own New Zealand politics, the same thing. Our culture has become so divisive and polarizing. And of course, the church should be different. But sadly, to an outsider, often there doesn't seem to be any discernible differences between us and non-believers. We need to be careful here at St. Augustine's to prevent seeds of disunity from being sown. We can be different. It's good to be different to be, and to be able to disagree with each other. But we need to ensure that we always love and honor each other in our disagreeing. In John 17, to 23, we read Jesus' final anguish prayers as he prays for the unity of his people, the church. So they'll be as unified and together as we are, I in them and you in me. Then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and loved them in the same way you've loved me. Imagine the difference the church can make in this world without the disunity. If we were known for always showing love to people rather than showing judgment. As God's people, we are responsible for sharing his love with the world and fulfilling his greatest commandment to love each other. 
This love has to begin at home and at church. I said this morning that I want to make it about you all. And so I just want to share a bit about the love that some of you are showing through using your gifts to serve others and in turn glorify God. I just want to acknowledge that everyone here has gifts that God uses. I'm just mentioning stories about just a few of you. Verse 9 in our reading says, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. There's a couple here who joined our church with a youth group in tow, which they had started just through hosting their kids and friends and providing dinner for them all. When overseas people have turned up at church with nowhere to stay, without question, they have said yes to providing a home for them. They epitomize this verse. Another person just volunteered at a different church's Alpha course because she just loves Alpha and loves the journey people go on as they complete the course, giving up her time to help others come to know Jesus. Amazing. One of our Kia teachers, she doesn't just turn up. I'm going to get emotional, guys. I can't do a talk without getting emotional. God, what is wrong with me? It's moving, isn't it? Hearing stories. One of our Kia teachers doesn't just show up on a Sunday to do her bit and that's it. She prays for the kids during the week. She finds out and takes interest of what they're into and so that she can actually get to know them. As a parent of two Kia children, I see the fruit of it and it means so, so much to Brendan and me. We have someone who gives up so much of her time to look after her friend's children. Even after having spent the week being a teacher, she will dismiss it as nothing. But to us on the receiving end and to a lot of you, I know it's a huge gift. I was blown away recently when I heard of the love and care from one of you to a friend who had struggled in life and sadly passed away. But his one and only constant for years and years had been the Christ-like kindness and friendship of this person who had looked out for him when all the others had given up. A guy here, the way his brain works constantly astounds me. He makes the confusing understandable. He can bring faith to life in a unique way. And add to that, he's one of the biggest encouragers I know. Another, who when she was unable to sing in the Christmas choir due to an injury said, oh, but I'm so pleased because now I can help with the hospitality. I do not have that kind of servant heart. One of our prayer team, every week for the past few months, has started coming early to church before pre-service prayer so that she can pray for the service and for all of us here at St. Augustine's. Amazing dedication to prayer and a want to see us all and to see this church, St. Augustine's, flourish. Everyone, by the way, is welcome to join her. There's a member of the youth group who has always been so friendly and welcoming to newcomers. I know as a teen, I'd have found that hard to do. Two weeks ago, the prayer team got together to pray for you all. In verse 7 of our passage, it says, stay wide awake in prayer. This is what they do. These people are mostly far more experienced and capable in praying than I am. Yet they encourage, pray, and serve so faithfully. 
I felt suitably humbled by their commitment to all of us at church. How encouraging and inspiring it is to hear just a fraction of how people are so generously using their gifts. You, all of you here, are who make up this church family at St. Augustine's, serving each other and those around you to bring, to bring God the glory. We're all human. We all make mistakes. We're imperfect. But God, throughout history, has continually used imperfect people to perfect his kingdom. We don't always get it right. But it is how we use our gifts to serve with our hearts, which God sees. And this is what matters. We have guests who's coming for dinner coming up in April, where we have the chance on various nights to host a small group of surprise guests from St. Augustine's for dinner. It's a fantastic opportunity to get to know each other and serve each other in your gifts. You don't have to be an amazing cook. You could just, it could be takeaways. But if you'd like to host a dinner for that event, please do email me. If you feel you want to get more involved in using your gifts and serving each other at St. Augustine's generally, we've got so many teams you could join, and we'd love to chat with you. If your gift is financial generosity, then I'm sure you especially would love to hear from you. One of the people from the examples above said to me, the thing is, I really don't feel like I'm doing much, because although it's not always easy, I just really enjoy it. But that is the thing, isn't it? Often when we follow the call of God in our lives, it doesn't mean it's always easy. But there is a deep-seated knowledge of assurance that we're meant to be doing it, even if at times we feel like we can't. There are also seasons for our giftings. Another person here has, for a few years, had it on her heart from God to use her gift of creativity to run art, work, art workshops for kids. At the moment, life means that now isn't the time, but the call for it is still there. And in the meantime, she does many workshops for her nieces and her friends' kids to keep that fire alive. Don't beat yourself up or feel bad if you're not actually able to use one of your gifts now. Jim talked last week about our time not being ours but God's, and it's well worth a listen if you um, haven't already heard it. But he also talked about the necessity for rest and boundaries. Chances are if there's one gift you can't use at the moment, then there's bound to be another that you can. But also, don't rule out gifts because you feel you've missed the boat. You're not too old. You're not too young. God's time scale is not the same as ours. Why should it be too late? Ask for his wisdom as to when and how to use them. Also, let's not compare ourselves. It only breeds disappointment, resentment, and jealousy. Just because a friend is amazing at hosting people or welcoming or great with kids, it doesn't mean that you have to be or that you're called to be. God has made us unique. Therefore, our gifts are also unique. Why should we stay awake in prayer? Why should we love each other as if our lives depended on it? 
Why should we be quick to give a meal to the hungry, a bed to the homeless, cheerfully? Why should we use, why should we generously use our gifts? We should so that God's bright presence will be evident in everything through Jesus, and he'll get all the credit as the one mighty in everything on cause to the end of time. But it is so easy for us to slip into that consumerist mindset of thinking, now hold on for one moment. I thought coming to church was so that I could get something out of it. I thought I was meant to have my needs met. I thought I was supposed to be blessed by the music. I thought I was supposed to feel welcomed and wanted. I thought people were supposed to invite me over. I thought the church existed to help me. But sadly, no. The Bible says so that God is glorified. And I know that it can feel overwhelming and tiring at times. But God wants to assure assure us that he sees what we do. Hebrews 6.10, it says, I have better things in mind for you, salvation things. God doesn't miss anything. He knows perfectly well all the love you've shown him by helping needy Christians and that you keep at it. Your effort for God is not wasted. Your prayers do make a difference. Your love will not be overlooked. Your ministry, however humble it may be, will be rewarded. We should live our lives aware that Christ will come again. God gave us the greatest gift we could ever hope for. He gave us his son, Jesus, who died on the cross and three days later rose again to join his father in heaven so that we can in turn receive the gift of grace and eternal life through the forgiveness of our sins. Freedom from all the shame, the pain, and the things that hold us back from being fully used by him. How incredible that he wants and chooses to use us. That he wants to use me. That he wants to use you with all our faults and with all our failings so that we can generously bless others in the way that he continues to bless us. What a privilege it is, therefore, to be able to serve others and, in turn, give the glory back to our Heavenly Father. Let's stand and I'll pray. Loving God, we are so thankful that you delight in who we are and in what we seek to do for you and for others. Help us to live in your delight in us. Enable us to honestly accept our strengths, not with boasting, but with thankfulness. Help us also to be honest about our areas of weakness and be prepared to ask for help. Save us, we pray, from the feeling that we should put ourselves down. For that is not humility, but a denial of the good things that God is doing in and through us. Lord, we offer you the person we are and the person who in Christ we know we can be. Thank you for accepting our offering. May we now live for you.